The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a rest stop on Interstate 81, 30 miles north of Scranton, near Lenoxville, where we stop twice a year on our way home from seeing family in Canada. There's no particular reason for stopping there. There's no food or gas station. It's not one of those new airy and spacious rest stops or welcome centers. It is just a short brick building built in 1972 with bathrooms, vending machines, and yes, a payphone. There is no reason to stop at all except that it usually fits the timing for bathroom breaks and to have our dogs stretch their legs. But in this little hole-in-the-wall spot along the highway between Scranton and Binghamton, you will find a church ministry that serves free food and free drinks to travelers. They used to serve out of a tent, and now they have a trailer. And they offer free coffee and hot chocolate in the winter and free food. This summer, we stopped there, and as I waited in line for coffee, there was a family of five ahead of me, and all the kids got free hot dogs. And I could see the relief and gratitude on the faces of the parents and aunts and uncles as they were trying to ferry these restless and hungry kids from one place to another. Now, they don't promote their church while doing this. There's no sign on their trailer. I just noticed that the person serving had a polo shirt that said, Full Gospel Fellowship. It was just a selfless ministry of hospitality to greet, feed, and bless weary travelers at this sad little rest stop. And I look forward to seeing them every time we go there. Our readings for today are so much about hospitality. From Isaiah we hear, God, you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. And it describes a heavenly banquet feast. Psalm 23 says, The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. You restore my soul, O Lord, and guide me along right pathways. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And finally, in our gospel from Matthew, Jesus tells a parable about a king who threw a sumptuous wedding banquet for his son, but no one came. He says the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. The slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both the good and the bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. This follows the same idea as last week, that Jesus, the Son, had come but was not accepted by the religious leaders of his time. They did not accept the invitation to the feast of love that God had offered in Jesus. And so God expanded the invitation to everyone. This theme of holy hospitality and inclusion runs throughout Jesus' ministry. He fed the 5,000, which included women and children. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, drew water with the woman at the well, invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner, turned water into wine at the wedding at Cana, ate with his friends Mary and Martha, shared supper with the last supper with his disciples, and ate with the disciples during his resurrection appearances in Emmaus and on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus ate so much that some people claim that he was a drunkard and a glutton. But Jesus knew that meals and food are vitally important. They communicate who is welcome and included and who belongs. And Jesus was continually inviting more and more people to the table. This summer, I had the opportunity to read a book called Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadara who, along with his partner, elevated the restaurant 11 Madison Park in Manhattan to the point where it was voted the top restaurant in the world. It had all the elements that you would expect to go into that, the fine food, the service, the setting, but as he writes, the key ingredient in their success was their unreasonable and extravagant hospitality. He says, getting the right place to the right person at the right table is service but genuinely engaging with the person you're serving so that you can make an authentic connection. That's hospitality. And some of the examples of unreasonable hospitality that he recounts were early on they had a party of people at a table who mentioned that they had to go to the meter and fill the meter because that's where they had parked. So the staff asked where the car was and went and paid the meter so they didn't have to get up from their meal. When a couple celebrating their anniversary mentioned that they had left their champagne in the freezer at home and were worried that it would explode, someone from the restaurant offered to go to their home and save it. And while they were there, they left a little care package of goodies for them to enjoy for their anniversary. When a family of four from Spain ate with them, they saw how the kids were so excited that it was snowing. They'd never seen real snow before. So they bought four sleds and drove them up to Central Park so they could go sledding in the snow. At one meal, they heard a guest comment how they had eaten everything they wanted to in their trip to New York City, except a classic New York Street hot dog. So Will ran out to get a hot dog from the cart on the corner, and they prepared it on four plates with a swoosh of mustard, a swoosh of ketchup, some sauerkraut, and relish on each plate, and the guests, he said, freaked out. They said it was the highlight of their entire trip to New York. Another time, the servers overheard a table talking about the tooth fairy. So every time somebody got up from the table, they came back to find a quarter under their napkin. Once a couple came in splurging on a dinner to console themselves after their vacation flight was canceled. 
And so they turned the private dining room into a beach, complete with beach chairs and a kiddie pool. Once an out-of-town regular regretted not getting his daughter a stuffed animal from his trip to New York, so they made him a little teddy bear out of kitchen towels to take home. When someone mentioned about flying out the next day, they made them a care package to take with them and then started having those on hand for anyone who mentioned it. Eventually, they created a position that they called the dream weaver, who would help to make these things into a reality. They would Google their guests beforehand to know who they were and what was important to them so that they would be ready to welcome them with unreasonable hospitality. There are lots more stories in the book. Gudara says, we were no longer in the business of running an extraordinary restaurant. We were now in the business of human connection, giving the gift of delight, the surprise that comes with being truly seen and heard. That's what Jesus gave people, the gift and surprise of being seen, heard, loved, and embraced just as they were. My favorite quote from the whole book was, You need to be unreasonable to see a world that doesn't yet exist. You need to be unreasonable to see a world that doesn't yet exist. And I think Jesus was unreasonable in his time, inviting the people he encountered and now us to imagine a world that doesn't yet exist. He called that the kingdom of God. Our gospel reading for today is certainly unreasonable. No one came to the wedding banquet, so the king invited everybody else to join in. God is unreasonable in hospitality, in grace, and in mercy, going so far as to send Jesus to us. And even though the world rejected him to raise him up three days later and to raise us to new life through him. God calls us to be unreasonable and to imagine a world beyond war, beyond poverty and famine, climate disasters and undrinkable water, to imagine a world beyond vast wealth disparities and racism and hate toward the queer community and all the things that we see on our screens every day. God calls us not to recoil at the state of the world, but to embrace our world and to go bigger in our loving, bigger in our caring for our world and its peoples. Every day it feels like the world is a little more fractured, but Jesus went right to the brokenness of his time And he calls us to go toward the brokenness of our time with love. Gadara suggests that we can take a hospitality approach to these challenges. He calls it a hospitality solution. Solving a problem, he says, not by sneakily chipping away at the service we were offering at the restaurant, but by blowing it out in the opposite direction, by giving more and not less. He says too often when we're faced with a pernicious problem, We fall back on the tried and true, push harder, be more efficient, cut back, especially when the problems are nagging ones that erode the bottom line or those that persist because our organizations rely on humans in all their wonderful and fallible ways. Imagine, though, that instead of resorting to one of these fallback positions, you asked yourself, what is the hospitality solution? What if you forced yourself to be creative, to develop a solution that worked because of not in spite of your generosity and extraordinary service, to make decisions based on hope rather than fear. This is a time for us to go big in our love, to go big in our hospitality, our serving and our giving, to go big in our dreaming, 
to let our light shine bright, to be an unreasonable church, unreasonable enough to imagine a world that does not yet exist, to see and work for a world in which a forgotten rest stop can be a place of respite and nourishment for weary travelers, to see and work for a world where everybody has enough to eat, every kid has a bed to sleep in, where seminarians don't need food banks, where each person can be themselves and be safe and flourish, to see and work for a land that is holy to three faiths, to be a sanctuary of peace and not a battleground. God calls us and the world needs us to be bold in our vision, to be huge in heart, to dig deep in our serving, to be expansive in our invitation, to make a place at the table for all, to be as unreasonable as our God. Amen.